0: Everyone. welcome to episode one hundred and seven of Talking Wild Madness. It's been a few. Uh, it's been a while between drinks, so to speak. So uh, apologies for that. There's always a nervousness coming back into doing a podcast when uh, there's been such a break in between, uh, and I've always found that the best the best medicine for uh, apprehension is is as my favorite quote of all time joe cabot from reservoir dogs just shit your pants dive in and swim and i think that applies across the board to all things so i don't necessarily have anything to really talk about at all Um, i don't have anything profound i don't have anything insightful i don't have any grand observations at the moment uh, i'm listening to a woody allen interview that was recorded back in 1987. Uh, and I'm in a, I'm in a, in a, in a nice and unusual space at the moment when it comes to the film. Edward and Isabella is finished, and it's now gone out to. Um, I was going to say it's gone out to pasture, but it hasn't gone out to pasture just yet. But it's, got, I've submitted it to two film festivals. Uh, and when you put a screener together, you send the link to the the people. That you're sending it to. And when they open it, you get an email to say that it's open. So this is a, uh, this is a nervous kind of space that I'm in at the moment where I know that the people, because I've received the email last night and I know the people who are basically are the gatekeepers of whether this film gets into a film festival. I know that they're watched, they're watching the film or they have watched the film Uh, Or at least they've opened to see if the screener worked, I suppose. Uh, Now, when it comes to submissions for for books, that can take a very, very long time. It can take months and months and months. And it can take years and years to find a successful uh, home for a book. So I'm very new to this when it comes to films. Uh, When it comes to submitting and, say, getting rejections for books and getting accepted for books, I'm I'm a, a salty dog. But when it comes to films, this is all very new territory, so I'm not sure whether to expect them to get back to me today or tomorrow or if it's going to take six to eight weeks. I don't think it's going to take years because they have the festival is in March and the other ones in April which is 2022, it's now October 2021. So the festival itself is gonna take place in five months and six months. So um, it's definitely not gonna take more than six months, but I'm just wondering if they watch the film, don't like it, do they get back to you or do they just kind of leave, you know, leave you to die on on the bus stop, so to speak, waiting for the number 72 that, or the number 107 in this case that, that may never come. So I'm not sure. So it's interesting. I'm, uh, reminded of the Kipling, the Rudyard Kipling poem, if where you are treating the two imposters, victory and defeat as the same thing. Um, and I think when I read that first, what's that line from if, oh no, I won't get it up. It'd be too noisy. But the idea is basically whether you win or whether you lose it, it, um, Uh, the, the trappings that come with victory and the, um, the misery that accompanies defeat really are the same thing that they're, they're the cliche is that they are two sides of, of the one coin. Um, what's important is that you're in the, in the game or as that president said, you're in the arena. So obviously it is nice to win. uh, and obviously it's not that pleasant to lose. Um, but I, in, in, in the tradition of giving myself as many gold stars as possible, which was a trait I learned from Gretchen Rubin, her, her happiness podcast, uh, which is basically to to give your, to reward yourself mentally, regularly, and give yourself a gold star for doing, for doing things. So I'm giving myself a gold star for having finished the film. Uh, and having it, having it to a standard where I'm, I'm happy with it and I'm pleased with it and it looks like a film it smells like a film and, I, and I've licked it and, and it tastes like a film. So I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm happy that I'm, that it's even being considered now, obviously I would absolutely love for this film to be, uh, to do very well, to be very successful. The first prize for one of these film festivals is a hundred thousand dollars. I'd love to win a hundred thousand dollars. I would absolutely not turn my nose down at a hundred thousand dollars and I wouldn't be, um, playing in a jazz band on the night of the awards. I'd be up the front in a tuxedo, um, with, with, with a martini, uh, with, with with my girlfriend and and my two, my two boys. Uh, and I'd be very, very delighted if if I was to get a hundred thousand dollars for the film and, um, I would have a straight face and be clapping when they gave it to someone else. So this is not the, the contemplation of victory and defeat as being the same thing is not to say that I wouldn't enjoy, uh, victory with this film, but I think it's also that this is already the victory has already been achieved, so to speak, just for the fact that the film is, has been finished and, and is completed. Uh, but then there's another part of me that thinks, well, and this is the same part that, that happened with, with my books. It is, it is a victory to, to finish a book, to write a book. And it, it is a victory to have it in your top drawer, but it's, a, it's also, there's something about having it published as well that, that solidifies it and makes the experience. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant to say more real, but it certainly, uh, There's an element of it being finished. There's there's an element of of having crossed the line, so to speak. So, yes, it's an achievement to run 23 miles of a 26-mile marathon and and there'd be no shame in stopping and and climbing onto a stretcher and having your loved ones take you off to hospital, dehydrated and exhausted with bleeding feet and, 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 and croaking knees. That certainly would be... An, an, an achievement, but having you know limping across or even crawling across the finish line, um, there's something about finishing something, um, that has a deeper satisfaction. And I, I, I don't think success or victory, uh, sorry, success or defeat comes into that. So I would like to see this film somewhere at a film festival or on a even a tv station or a streaming platform but not like a youtube on demand platform like a proper a netflix or an amazon or a, or something just something but and i haven't gotten to that stage where i've been able to research it where i even know all the available platforms so so far this is the So far, this is the task at hand, and this is the path I think is is the right way to go. Uh, We've had one review from Cinephile magazine, and the author of the review uh, is a man named Bernard Hemingway, which is is a very, uh, I I wonder if that's his real name, but he gave us a beautiful review and he compared the film to um, uh, Alexander Payne's Sideways. And Antone- Michelangelo Antonioni's, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that for fans of Italian neorealist cinema from the fifties. I apologize if that's a butchering of the man's name, but he, yeah, he compared it to Sideways and La Ventura. I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen the film, but uh, my girlfriend wants to watch it and I want to watch it now since Edward and Isabella has been, has been compared to it a little bit. And there was another film he compared it to, which I think was another neo realist Italian uh, cinema. Uh, what was that called? I've forgotten what it was, but anyway, he said some beautiful things, uh, which was lovely to hear the, the neo realist cinema from, I think it was the late forties and early fifties. It was black and white cinema. I think the most famous neo realist Italian cinema was the bicycle thief, uh, which I'm shamefully haven't seen, which I've been told is, is, is as brilliant as as everyone says it is. Um, And it's about a man who needs his bike to work and the bike gets stolen. And then the man takes off looking for his bike and he brings his young son along. And the film is about uh, the relationship between the man and and his son. Uh, I always find those very, very, uh, very intense and hard. Uh, Being a father, I find those films about about, um, fathers and young sons to be very, very intense. So I think I should treat myself to some torture and entertainment and watch the bicycle thief. The, um, the trick to the neo realist cinema apparently was to just use every, every day, normal looking people. So don't, don't use actors, just use, um, just use people now. And that, that sounds marvelous. And when you look at some of the clips, because after I got the review for comparing Edward and Isabella to La Ventura, I've watched a couple of documentaries on Antonio Antonioni and I can't even say the man's name. Uh, Watched a couple of documentaries and saw some uh, clips from his films and they look absolutely beautiful. A lot of them are in dark, black and white, and um, the the people in the films look intense and uh, harrowed and... And they look like they have been through hell, which of course they had been. They would just been through the war, and not only had they just been through World War Two, but they'd also been through the Italian version of World War Two, which, which had this um, uh, added horror of of the pantomime uh, Orson Welles uh, Mussolini insanity on top of. It was almost like um, it was almost like it, w- it was like Nazi Germany, but incompetent. Uh, it was like it was like the Nazi Germany and Hitler doing the slapstick routine. So the Italians had that to deal with. The Italians also had a very high uh, peasant culture. So for all Italy's incredible uh, achievements of of automotive engineering and fashion and food, uh, for a hell of a lot of time, Italy was was for the most part made up of very very uneducated uh, peasantry who whose day-to-day life was literally just get enough food to eat. So these people, uh, and that was the same obviously across Europe for so long, but these Italian people were met in that condition of life, but then also had to face world war two also had to face it under the cloak of, of Mussolini also had to face defeat, uh, also had to do it during a time of, of modernism where the machine age and the technological age was just taking over, uh, the world in, in, in its worst, in its worst expression, uh, of, of, of violence and, and murder. Um, so when it, you know, when 1948 rolls around, 1949 rolls around, um, these people are living in rubble. These people are starving. These people are very thin and they're all wearing, they're all, classically dressed the men are all wearing suits uh, and white shirts and they all look very very cinematic and they're thin and they're gaunt so all their faces are long and all their the the ridges of their face you can see their cheekbones and their and their jaw lines and they and and their their eyes are deep socketed eyeballs uh and even the black and white film the blackest black is around under their eyes so you take and you take a neo-realist approach to Italian cinema in the late 1940s after the horror of, of World War II, and again, the Italian horror version of World War II, post-World War II, um, you can stick a camera in someone's face and it looks absolutely compelling. Now, if you were to take a neorealist approach today and you were to go out, particularly where I live in in the Western world, in in Western Australia. Uh, even down here in, in on the south coast of Western Australia, in a very small, uh, ish town, I'm not living in a peasant village. There's about thirty five thousand people living here, uh, but we are we are inf- uh, infected with the worst expression of of Western uh, opulence. That if you were to take a camera and try and make a film in that tradition and just kind of grab people off the street. Uh, you're, you're not going to get any harrowed, uh, hollowed, deep eye socketed, thin cheekbone, long faced, uh, well-dressed people, um, who stare into the camera with a sense of, uh, helplessness and hopelessness and despair and who are hungry. And yeah, you're certainly not going to get people who are well-dressed. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna get people in, in, uh, in flannel shirts with bloated stomachs and, and, uh, and uh, maybe, maybe two or three day old stubble and baseball caps, uh, or, or you might you might find um, women with baggy tracksuit pant- pants pushing a pram and smoking with a with a greasy ponytail, um, li- you know, listening, having with iPhones, uh, an iPhone, an uh, iPhone buds in her ear, listening to who knows what. So you're just not going to get that same level of of pathos. You're going to get um, fat, flabby, uh, bored, lazy, um, no one's struggling to survive, so to speak. They, they might be struggling for some kind of meaning, but there's so many distractions and there's so much food, um, that you're just not going to get the bicycle thief-esque, uh, vibe that if you, that, that you were, if you were to walk around the, the rubble of, 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 nineteen late 1940s Rome or late 1940s Naples or, or fill in the blank, wherever. Um, but it, I think maybe in a sense it could be interesting to try and do something like that, but I think it would get very... Um, I think you'd just have a complacent film uh, and you probably wouldn't get people to to even want to participate in it. Um, and, yeah, I. it's very, very interesting to me. It's always very interesting to me to know what kind of, or to imagine what kind of person that I would be in say, like late 1940s, Italy, as opposed to, I mean, I'm literally just sitting on, on a pile of comfort. uh, and, and the only struggle is, is, is a, is a psychological one or an existential one, not a physical one at all. Um, and I, I get to, to ruminate and pontificate and, and come up with all kinds of theories uh, from this vantage point, from this vantage point of, uh, of comfort and, and, and ease as opposed to dis-ease, just complete uh, uh, complacency, I suppose. But I wouldn't call myself complacent at the same time. So there's a contradiction there, I suppose. Um, but having the, having the, the daily task of going out and finding food, for example, as opposed to literally going through the day, trying not to eat, trying to literally experience the feeling of hunger, um, that's what's difficult now. That's, that's, that's the challenge, which is insane when you, when you consider, when you consider, uh, human history that now one of the biggest challenges is to not consume too much food and food is, is in abundance and is ridiculously cheap. Um, food in the Western world is as cheap as life is in, 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 in other parts of the world. Um, and I, I used to lament that, that, you know, 50% of of us are obese. but The more I think about it, I think it's a miracle that only 50% of us are obese. And, and not 90 90 of us like it is interesting that we haven't ended up like the people in the cruise ship the space cruise ships in the movie wally where we're all just enormous enormous uh, uh, uh obese blobs floating around on on the holographic carts or whatever the hell they were doing up there uh so this is episode 107 of talking wild Madness. tom's going to join the podcast in uh i think maybe tomorrow he's going to be calling in from germany we're going to do a do a podcast together uh i'll keep everyone up to date with regards to edward and isabella hopefully have some good news or bad news and we will uh approach both like rudyard kipling would we will uh we'll witness an execution and drink a cup of tea and uh and and get drunk